Welcome to this edition of Cisco Champion Radio, the podcast series by technologists for technologists. Hi, I'm Denise Donahue. I'm a business architect with Net Craftsman, and I am here with two really excellent experts on StealthWatch. TK, do you want yep. to go first? Uh, TK Kianini. I was the uh, CTO for Landcope and uh, been working on StealthWatch for some time now. I'm actually in the advanced threat group uh, as an engineer, and I've been working on some pretty exciting projects. Cool. Hope to hear some about some of them. How are you doing? I'm uh, Sandy Bagarwal, product line manager for integrations for StealthWatch, and we have a great bunch of stuff to talk about today. I'm excited to hear. So, um, you want to give us just a two-minute overview of StealthWatch? Sure. Just to make sure everybody knows. Yes, yes. So, you know, StealthWatch has been around for quite some time, and really what's brought it into the spotlight is a lot of the advanced threats these days, um, they're very sneaky, you know, they're very clever. Um, a lot of attackers aren't breaking into networks anymore, they're, they're logging in. So the only way to detect it is uh, through behavioral analytics. And uh, StealthWatch has been doing this for over 10 years. Um, there are really three main use cases for StealthWatch. One is the detection of malicious activity. It could be uh, an insider threat. It could be some global threat actor. Something bad is, is taking place. The other one is we, we really help people uh, model their network so that they can become more segmented. So we, we help them model their network, kind of paint these groups, watch, watch, those, uh, watch the behavior of the network over time, and then when they go to actually segment the network, instead of breaking the business, they go there with some evidence that it's going to work. Uh, and then the third one is we really uh, are effective general ledger to the entire digital business. We, we actually see who's talking to whom, for how long, you know, things that would go into a ledger. And where that's important is when breaches happen, um, you want to go back and ask a question, what has Alice been doing on my network the last 30 days? Or what has Bob been doing on my network the last 60 days? And in this retrospective type of investigation, you can find out what machines were touched, what applications were touched, what other users may be compromising. You can be very, very thorough and effective with that remediation. But, all right, so you say you look at all the traffic, but I was just, we're here at Cisco Live, and I was just looking at the NOC threat wall, and a good 70% of the, the traffic was HTTPS. That's That's true. encrypted. Yeah, and, and actually, let me make the point that that's a good thing. It is a good thing. You, you're going to want your communications traveling on, you know, treat everything as an untrusted network. Treat every, you know, uh, endpoint as if it was exposed to the internet. Encryption is what saves you in that situation. The problem is that the bad guys are also trying to be private in their communication. So we've had to, we've had to figure out different ways. We want to accept, almost respect, the fact that communication should be private, but we also want to be able to detect those threat actors and their behaviors on the network without doing decryption. This is what actually led to the invention of encrypted traffic analytics, which is um, something we announced at last Cisco Live in June. 
uh -huh. uh, and it's been out in the field for about a year, and I, I have some results that are just spectacular. So you've had actual people that's in production using it, working well? Yeah, it's running on the trade show now. Uh, mm -hmm. We've run it at other trade shows. Um, it's, it's really surprising what you'll find, you know. Uh, <laughs> We're not so I, well, surprising. And the thing is like, you know, I don't think these threat actors, because they haven't been found before in these encrypted channels, what you find is some, some interesting stuff. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's this technology that allows you to do it without decryption. And, uh, you know, what we, we even had a third party uh, do a review to the efficacy of uh, the invention, a company called Mircom. And uh, in April, we were, we were given an award, and that, that, that report is public. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it works. Um, people are excited. I'm still excited. Uh, you know, on the, on the trade floor here, you know, like you said, 70, north of 70% is, is encrypted in HTTPS. Good thing. Um, it, you'd be surprised. The, the thing that, that doesn't surprise us, actually, is the presence of crypto mining at every one of these shows. You, oh, really? Like, you know, Someone's a, walking around here with their, their laptop And they're not even <laughs> mining, aware. They're mining. not even aware of it. Hopefully. But it is, it is the money maker now for cybercrime. Because, mm -hmm. you know, before with ransomware, the gig is up. You know, they, they hold it ransom and then you, you have to go fix, pay the ransom, fix your computer. In this case, when they're using your power and your compute cycles to do this mining, they'll make 20 cents on that machine today, they'll make it again tomorrow. So it has become a probably the most prevalent application around uh, that's hiding in this encrypted traffic. And Stealthwatch was able, able oh, yeah, to find it? Oh yeah, it's up on the threat wall right now, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So let me add a couple of points to that. So um, one of the things we, we noticed was when we talked to customers, and say, how much of your detections are based on encryptions? They have no idea. <laughs> they, they sort of say, well, we think it could be a problem. And once we start to show them some of the results we've been getting, I, I, hate, to, I hate to treat this like we're creating FUD, but the reality is they don't know they're getting hacked uh, because it's encrypted. It's private. Yeah. It's private. And so it is a bit of a catch-22 in terms of getting customers to try it. Just try it. And yeah. once they try it, they're shocked. We've had literal situations, we can't name the customers, where they're like, oh my God, I had no idea this was happening. Now, some of the more sophisticated customers that have a huge amount of intellectual property already know the, what they don't know. The second point I want to make is people don't realize how threats get into encrypted traffic in the first place, because it's supposed yeah. to be private. How do you, how do they? Well, one of the key ways they get in is because of vulnerable endpoints. You know, large enterprises have users with all kinds of desktops that are not secured with the latest level of encryption. And the only way that their IT organizations find out is by asking them, or by asking the, the endpoint. Well, endpoints tend to lie. <laughs> and users tend to not know. And we determine... Oh, I thought you were going to do it the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you yeah. can't say that. <laughs> yeah. I did that on purpose. Um, but, but we don't trust anybody. We ask the network. We ask the traffic itself. And so we're able to achieve 
real-time visibility to every single endpoint and whether it's using strong encryption. The other point is, when you use man in the middle to, do in, to inspect traffic, you create an inherent vulnerability. We're able to preserve the channel integrity all the way through, so there's no single point in the path of the communication where bad guys can get in. Yeah, and uh, so that latter point that Sandeep is making is, is sort of the lesser sexy use case. It's just very practical. But it's practical. huge though. If you it's stop and practical. think about, you're sitting, in, you're sitting there, you're looking at all the traffic, what if somebody gets in, into that box? Well, even, that and so this, this idea of cryptographic compliance, so let's say that um, I'm, I'm a, a retailer, and let's say I, I have PCI compliance needs. Uh, well, June of this year, the PCI Council said that TLS version 1.0 is a violation. It's, a, it's, a, it's too weak of an encryption to use for retail. So if you have TLS 1.0 on your network, you, are you can't pass the PCI compliance. Now again, who knows this better than the network? The network sees this traffic. Yeah. And the, the network is as wide as your digital business. So we are essentially collecting this evidence and presenting that to the customers so that they can govern this particular policy and know on a, you know, a, a, a minute basis uh, whether they're compliant or not compliant to their, their policies. Mm. All right, so just give a quick overview of how, all right, how do you do this? This is yeah. encrypted traffic. No, very, very You're not allowed to decrypt that's it That's exactly to see right. It. And I really don't want uh, the listeners to think that we, um, we're saying that we just invented a way to see through walls. <laughs> it's, it's not, not like that at all. It's not the Superman no, of it, it networking. Is There's <laughs> no x-ray goggles. Um, this is just very simple data science. And um, what happens is that there are routers and switches now at Cisco that can produce uh, a form of telemetry that we use in our machine learning. And it, it, it's based on a premise that all encrypted traffic starts out unencrypted. This right. is a fact. Mm -hmm. So it's, there, there's, a, there's a thing in the metadata now called the initial data packet. It's exactly what it sounds like. It is the entire packet of every novel flow. So every new connection, mm -hmm. I get that packet and I'm able to analyze it. It's all things observable in the clear. Right. Um, and that's true for the good guys and bad guys. Right. Okay. Yeah, you have now, to have the initial setting up of the, the yeah the negotiation parameters, right? the negotiation mm -hmm. things. And then, and then after that, there's a, a complement to that called the sequence of packet lengths and times, SPLT, and that is the ongoing sort of observational derivative that we get, looking at the timing of the packet and the lengths of the packet, as they travel at minute one, at minute three, at minute five, and I get a mathematical form that coming to me so that I can train these classifiers. It's basically the shape and size of the connection ongoing. So one is at call setup, mm -hmm. and the other one is on ongoing connection. And I can use unsupervised and supervised machine learning to train the detection. So I'm making inferences about what I cannot see. But these inferences are you know, quite sophisticated and very, very high fidelity. Uh, in the Mircom report, you know, of all the malware samples that crossed the network encrypted, we found 100% of them. And, uh, wow. and again, you know, the math, the math, the good thing about math is it doesn't lie, or if it is lying, uh, it's not it's math. It's evident, it's <laughs> evident, yeah, right. <laughs> right. That's true. 
So, so the other question mm -hmm. that comes up in this regard is, well, can't the bad guys start to evade this by mimicking good traffic? Mm -hmm. and, the, and the answer is yes. Yeah. But the way that the math does not lie is we are looking at 10 billion plus events per day globally, right? And whereas a human being might say, well, this pattern looks like a good pattern, it probably is, we're using statistics to sift through patterns coming across a huge number of events that are occurring worldwide and seeing patterns as they emerge even from evasive actors. And we're so able to compare those to a large sample of good traffic. So you have a cloud component that, yeah. that, Absolutely. that sees right. all the traffic, every, the right. metadata, yeah. guess, so for all the, the traffic everywhere. coming from the route switch. Uh -huh. And that, that is collected by Stealthwatch. And Stealthwatch has a cloud augmented uh, system called cognitive intelligence. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the global view of, of these threat actors. And it really can see um, across the globe the norms and the threat actors and all this activity. Because you've you got to consider a threat actor, when they're on the, on the internet and they're attacking hundreds upon thousands of victims, they're doing, there are deterministic qualities about that threat actor that really pull them out from the noise. Once and you that, have that many that perspective data points, and that I size guess. of data, yeah. And uh -huh. this again, you know, is impossible to do by hand, by a single human or even a, a call center worth of humans, but <laughs> these yeah. machines are tireless. Yeah. They That's don't right. they don't go out partying, they show up at work on time. You know, we have thousands upon thousands of classifiers working in that analytic pipeline. And the end result is essentially delivering an incredibly high fidelity finding with a clear course of action. So you're able to see, and this is a question and phrase in, in the form of a phrase, so you're able to see from the endpoint, no matter, like, even if they're at remote branches as well as in the, the headquarters, and, but what, right? Yeah. But then what about like clouds? Yep. Multi-cloud cloud has centers? different telemetry there, uh -huh. but all of this all this telemetry is, is coming into a single place. So the, the the real the real you know back back in ten years ago it was just about operating on premise. You know, maybe you had a home office or two. Today's customers are hybrid, so they're wow. cloud and on-prem, and of the cloud, they're multiple cloud providers. So the common case now is you have a hybrid multi-cloud digital business. Right. So it, it's a matter of making sure that all the telemetry is pointed to a collector, so that, or even multiple collectors, that's being synthesized and getting you a particular analytic outcome. One is the cryptographic compliance, and the other one is detecting this malware without uh, having to do the decryption. Now, the, the difference is, is that in these multi-cloud environments, you can't assume that you own the routing and switching. So right. the telemetry is different. Mm -hmm. But it is functionally the same, meaning in, uh, in Amazon, uh, there is a thing called a VPC flow log, which is very, very similar to uh, what you would see on an, an enterprise called NetFlow or IPFix. Right. And getting this extension uh, of this new ETA telemetry uh, Amazon doesn't have it, so you could run a, a CSR, a cloud routing mm. platform that Cisco makes and that'll deliver this ETA uh, telemetry to be uh, investigated. But 
all in all, you know, you basically don't want to leave any blind spots. You know, wherever there are dark spots in your network, uh, there's going to be adversaries hiding there. Right. And you certainly don't want to be the last one to find it. Well, a couple of things that are that are, are really exciting to me about StealthWatch is that it's no longer just an appliance you put on your network and it's doing its thing. It's, it's being integrated with ICE, for instance, and now with DNA Center, and I'm really right. excited about that part. Um, yeah. Do I mean, you mind it, talking about it, that? It, you know, I'll have Sandeep talk about some of the, the highlights there, but you know, it really is in our DNA to integrate. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, even, a, in, even in our origins, We've been integrating with routers and switches. <laughs> well, you know? good point. The yeah. network is the sensor, <laughs> and, and so uh -huh. we we made a we made a product that it, fundamentally it has to integrate well. And we've we've had a long-standing relationship with uh, the identity services engine. Um, so ICE is is definitely a fundamental part. But you know the big push here at the show is is DNA Center and the network intuitive. And there's a really strong StealthWatch story with that network intuitive story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so let's talk a little bit about why we did this. You know, we all understand that networks are expanding incredibly fast right now. Yeah. IoT devices, new users, new locations, and all of these you can think of as just new open doors to, right. for bad guys to get in, right? Now we're trying as a network business to secure all those points, but the reality is that it's a bit of an arms race between the bad guys trying to get in through a lot more doors and businesses trying to secure their network. Well, the result that's creating is two things. One is that you've got more threat actors and you can't keep hiring SecOps people endlessly for the escalation of the number of threats that are coming in. What you really want to do is be able to spread the eyeballs, spread the visibility across across the key functions of your enterprise, including network operations. The second thing is, as we talked about, ETA is a perfect example of threats becoming more advanced. And so, what you want to be able to do is make sure that advanced threats are seen not just by sec security operations, but they can affect how networks operate. And, okay. for example, network assurance is now partially affected by DDoS attacks that are encrypted by other types of attacks, and we want to be able to see those right away as fast as possible. So how so, does that work? Yeah, <laughs> so what we've really done is make sure that visibility is extended from StealthWatch to DNA Center. As you probably know, DNA Center is a one-stop management platform for networking end-to-end -end on the enterprise. Yeah. Um, and it's able to do automation of Visibility of network devices, automation of those devices, configuration of those devices, all through a GUI interface, and it's able to monitor assurance so that everyone is getting the uptime and the quality of service that they're expecting to get. Mm -hmm. Well now, in addition to that, they're able to get severe security event visibility right on the DNA Center dashboard. So does StealthWatch talk to DNA Center? Exactly like right. API calls? Exactly right. Like Without <laughs> all the details that a SecOps person might want to see mm -hmm. and analyze, as TK was talking about earlier, we want to bring in the severe events that are most likely to affect the network into the DNA Center dashboard and give that 
network operator the ability to ask questions about it and communicate with SecOps. So what we've done is really automate and seamlessly streamline the workflow between NetOps and SecOps, where NetOps can now see an event, they can call up SecOps and say, how serious is this, should I be concerned about it? SecOps can conduct an investigation using StealthWatch and say, yep, it's pretty serious. And then NetOps can actually quarantine the threat for the first from time. From DNA Center. From DNA Center. Uh -huh. Using some of the same tools that we were always quarantining from SecOps. So it's really getting, you know, security is now everybody's problem. That's the reality. We've always yeah. said it was a CXO's problem. Well, now it's every other function's problem. We want to make that problem as easiest to solve as possible. That's really the impetus behind this integration. Yeah, it's been, it's been really nice to develop this um, type of rendering for the, you know, somebody who's really concerned about the continuity of the business. I mean, that, that really is NetOps' um, number one goal. And so, to put security in that light, you know, they can easily see on the dashboard the top alarming hosts, you know, things things they should be concerned about. And to them, it's a business continuity issue. They're not they're not paid to go catch crooks, right? You know? And so that's that's what's really nice is putting it in that light, and again, lowering the operational costs. You know, with a single button, you're able to essentially have these routers and switches be configured to send the telemetry to a, a certain place. You know, instead of having to visit these things one by one, right. you may have hundreds of them, right? At DNA Center takes that problem right off the table. Basically, it does all this wonderful operation. Yeah. You know, it lowers the cost of operation, right. I would say, and administration. Now, we were showing this uh, in the last few days, and we had a number of uh, NetOps people coming to us and said, I really like the ability to do my own quarantining because I'm actually worried the SecOps will shut off customers to, to prevent uh, threats, but while they're going to actually shut off traffic <laughs> and I'm going to get trouble calls. If I can control this and dialogue with SecOps about it, we're going to make a good decision yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Security, the preventer of information. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we used to call it the department of no. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Hi, we're the department of no. <laughs> That is awesome, and I think that's a huge use case. As we move more into automation and, um, and things like you know, using DNA Center as it's used more, I think that's, that's going to be a, a tremendous advantage yes. to that. Yeah. Um, and I, as Chuck Robbins said yesterday in his keynote, you know, talking about when you look at all these new technologies, look at all the things coming down, the one constant is the network. Absolutely. And yeah. so it, absolutely makes sense to to push that sensing down, to push that, that intelligence down as far as you can. Yeah, it, it really is the most horizontal, if you will, you know, across all of these silos because, you know, the the the, the thing, especially the observables within that network behavior, it like I always say, you know, we, we try and pick the data features that both teams have to play by. You know, the, mm. the, the addressing schemes and the headers and things of that nature, they're always in the clear. If it's not in the clear, it's essentially not going to route. Right, yeah. And so, you know, we've, we've built just a lot of models around, uh, again, what we call the observable data features of network traffic. And, and frankly, you know, IP hasn't changed in a long, long time. And, you know, people blame us for, you know, our data models being old. 
I'd change them if there were there were you know reasons to change them. <laughs> but frankly, nobody's uh -huh. changed you know IPv4 or v6. So um, those models remain consistent. What what is net new to the data models are all of the cloud things. You know things like VPC flow logs. Um, the telemetry we're getting from uh, applications, the telemetry we're getting from users, the telemetry we're getting from load balancers, from NATs, all of these things latch onto this pegboard, if you will, right? And we decorate these things so that we can tell a story and with our analytics. I think there's a, a plethora of, of information, a plethora of data, like so much data that if you were trying to do it yourself or by manually, yeah. You would have no clue where and, to look. And it is messy. A lot of it is um, is uh, duplicative. There's just a lot of repetition in this. You know, machines, that's a good thing actually for machines. Machines do well at deduplication. They also do well at compression. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're getting, in some cases, you know, more 20, 25 to 1 compression on some of this data side. Because it's yeah. just so repetitive. Uh-huh. Right? And so, and it's all in the clear. Right? Mm -hmm. These are these things that we're we're observing, and so, yeah, we've, we've been doing this for quite some time, and we've gotten good at it. <laughs> yeah. This is not your first rodeo. No. <laughs> now, TK mentioned um, StealthWatch Cloud, but I want to get yeah. a little bit more into it. Yeah, is that, I'd love to. Um, the, the ability, so, when we, when we uh, first offered this capability a few months ago, it essentially was to be able to provide um, visibility, the same visibility that StealthWatch has been providing for years from a cloud. So all the analytics in the cloud, the dashboard in the cloud, an extremely low footprint on premise. Where we're moving this is to a full hybrid model where essentially, regardless of where your workload is, if part of your workload is in the cloud, part of it is on-prem, you can actually see end-to-end -end and get the same dashboard we're already, we're already releasing part of that right now. You're going to see much more integration around this in the near future. Yeah, let me, let me um, do a little bit of uh, a deeper dive on that. The, what makes StealthWatch Cloud so uh, relevant right now is there, there's, a whole, there's a whole transformational thing that's happening with computing called serverless computing. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a very attractive. I mean, it's undeniably attractive because Instead of, you know, me as a developer, instead of having to have a data center or even have a, a, a machine or an operating system, I just have it run my code. I mean, I mm -hmm. call it like Uber for code. Right. I, I don't need to own the car, I just need transportation. Right. right? You just and have something somewhere. Some runs the code, <laughs> hands me back the results. It's uh -huh. magical. And then it really it has an economics for people doing computation because they only pay for what they use. When, when they're not computing, they're not, they're not paying for anything, okay? Here's, here's the issue, is traditional ways of doing threat detection uh, aren't going to work. There's, there's not a machine for you to s install anything on. Right. <laughs> it's right. owned by the service provider. Mm -hmm. So all you're left with, and this is a trend I think that's going to continue, is telemetry. There's telemetry coming from that service provider, and you have to do analytics on that telemetry to make inferences. For instance, with AWS, in AWS Lambda, which is their serverless computing, mm -hmm. uh, in StealthWatch Cloud, that is a first class entity. So we can perform the same analytics on AWS Lambda that we can on a traditional endpoint. We can tell you if it's 
doing anomalous behavior in terms of its connections. So where are you getting that data? It comes from Amazon. From Amazon? Yeah. Has, yeah. Has in Cisco the, made an arrangement with Amazon? No, or I, you know, it? again, all of, these, all of these developers that are doing these web applications inside of Amazon, they've learned to use all of these native Amazon services. Mm. And, and honestly, to them, they don't want to grow up and be a, become a security expert. They don't want to grow up and become a CCIE. They're just web application. Everything's code to them. Wow. You, you give them storage, it has to have an API. You give them a network, <laughs> it has to have an API. And that's what we've done with StealthWatch Cloud. Uh -huh. We've given this developer an API to oh, do threat okay. detection, and they love it. I mean, we've even integrated with Slack and HipChat, because you know they don't even send yeah. email to each other. They just... Well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They just chat. So we, we just have a little, we, we'll let them know on their Slack channel if uh, a thread has appeared in their application. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Because that's actually going to be something I asked. Because you had mentioned before, like if you have a CRS, a virtual CRS at the, up there, but you, could, you can do it even without that. You can pick yeah, up Yeah, and data. in some cases, um, only the service provider has that telemetry, mm. uh, particularly with AWS Lambda. Mm. So we, we definitely want to take advantage of that. And again, you know, um, I don't want to just single out AWS. We actually are running on Google's platform, and we also have uh, a great instrumentation into Kubernetes, which oh, okay. is, I mean, for the cool kids now, that's, that's almost like a new OS. So you can see traffic from containers, to and from containers. Yeah, in, in the case of Kubernetes, yeah, in Kubernetes, um, there's a facility in it called the daemon set, and it ensures that our sensor is deployed with every single node, whether it's running you know, a thousand nodes wide or just three nodes wide, we're always present in nice. that elasticity. And it's from there that we get the telemetry to the cloud for processing. And you know, it's, it's really nice because Kubernetes gives us that abstraction for um, anywhere where that's part of that business's infrastructure. Nice. So, so another add? interesting point here is that, you know, where is where is security going? Mm -hmm. And and I think we both have unique perspectives on this. But one of the things I see is that it's becoming a lot more holistic. In other words, in the past, if you look at the evolution of security, you started out with looking at malware and files only. Yeah. Well, that's still important. And at the edge, and the at whole the edge. like you know stereotypical, yeah, crunchy at the edge. Yeah. All that stuff middle. is still yeah. important, but now what's important is behavior that may not be tied to specific malware. It could be behavior where they're doing reconnaissance, where they're mapping out the entire network of the enterprise before they take a single action. Once they take action, it's actually a series of actions. Some of the more sophisticated threats start out by doing one thing, then another, then another, then another, and it just starts to encroach in the whole enterprise. We want to be able to look at that entire threat vector. And so the importance of being able to integrate the file-based threats, the signature-based threats, the behavioral threats, the advanced threats all together is really important part of where StealthWatch is going. The last thing is, you want to contain this. Right. And, and an enterprise is no longer three domains, it's five different domains. You've got the branch, campus, the cloud, the IOT environment, the fog, mm -hmm. and you've got to contain it everywhere. 
And right. so what we're seeing is products like Cisco DNA Center, products like, for great for containment, products like uh, uh, in the data center, ACI and titration, great for containment. But all these products have to work very well with a great detector. And what StealthWatch is providing is holistic detection with other security products that StealthWatch, that security provides. You yeah. want to add to that? I would, I would add two things. One is, you know, I, I don't know if it's because of the, the subject matter of encrypted traffic analytics, but every time I get pulled into this conversation about doing an inspection on the network and how dark is the network, is it really going opaque? My message there is, it's going opaque, get over it. It's just, <laughs> it is. It, and yeah. so, and it, it's going to be good for everybody that we respect the fact that our communication is private. Yeah. Okay, so let's not compromise that. Mm -hmm. And let's figure out other ways to go about doing inference and detection. And then the second thing is, you know, this crypto mining thing, you know, like I said, we, we see it everywhere. And people are like, oh, well, should I be concerned about it? You know, it's not my problem. It is your problem. There's somebody else, that, it's not the crypto mining you should be concerned about. It's the fact that somebody else has control over your computer. Right, <laughs> yeah. Because if they wake up next week and they, they install to switch that crypto mining to a wiper, you just lost uh -huh. your machine. Yeah. Okay, and half the time, you don't even know the crypto mining's running on it already. So. That's it's, a whole other podcast on how do we have it on that, but how do you find that? Like, other yeah. than uh, going to some place and having someone go, oh, wait, you got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yes. Actually, when I heard, the, um, heard that, my first thought was, oh my gosh, is it me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it might be. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, and, and you know, they just, they've gotten so clever with it. They, you know, it, it doesn't, they don't necessarily need to even touch the, uh, the application space. There's JavaScript now that they can embed and do all kinds of things. And again, what they're trying to do is just take out the cross structure. You know, I don't know if you saw this article, but um, this 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 idea of you having to use power and compute cycle to compute the next block in the blockchain, it's called the proof of work. Yeah. It's a non-trivial amount of computational right. power. And so what, in a nutshell, they're trying to take out the cost side of it. They're going to use your power Mm -hmm. and your compute cycle. Because that, this thing is non-trivial. The, there was an article published in one of these sort of green magazines concerned about how much power oh, right. Bitcoin was actually mm -hmm. using to compute its next block. Yeah. And in the study, they concluded that Bitcoin itself, which is just one of the cryptocurrencies, is using on a yearly basis as much power as all of Ireland. Okay, all of Ireland <laughs> combined. Uh, and wow. that's the type of power bill we're dealing with. Now, yeah. I, if I was trying to make money there, that'd be too costly. Yeah. But frankly, if I use everybody else's power, I can make that 25 cents a day over mm -hmm. hundreds upon thousands of machines. And mm -hmm. it's a really recurring revenue thing. But again, I think that distracts us from the real problem, which is somebody shouldn't be running unauthorized stuff on your machine. Mm -hmm. That's right. That, that's really that means you've been compromised. That means yeah then that means you've been compromised. It also means that whatever, whoever's handling your company's network yeah. isn't taking it up. That's right. And they should be. That's right. So they should be running Stealth Watch and DNA Center. Yeah, that's right. That's a good start. <laughs> and, uh, thank you, Cesar. You're welcome, Cesar. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> For that. Great. Okay. Um, well, thank you all. We've 
pretty much reached the end of our time. So thank you all. So you want to take a minute and introduce yourselves and where to find you, like on social media, et cetera? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, so my name is Sandy Buggerwall. I'm product line manager for uh, Cisco StealthWatch. Um, and you can uh, find me on Twitter at Next Mousetrap. Excellent. Ooh, I clever. love that name. That's clever. That's clever. <laughs> so I don't have anything as clever, but I have a Hawaiian last name. Oh. Lots of vowels. So TK Kianini. I'm on Twitter as T-K-E-A-N-I-N-I. -I. I'm on LinkedIn. And for those of you that want to find some of these reports and white papers, uh, you can go to the Cisco blog. Uh, if, you, if it's ETA-specific, encrypted traffic analytics, you can go to www.cisco.com slash go slash ETA. Great. And I'm Denise Donahue. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Lady Networker and Networker spelled N-E-T-W-K-R. And LinkedIn, and if I blog ever, I, it's at Netcraftsman's site. Thank you. So thank you very much for listening, and thank you all for, for your time. <laughs>